Technology. I could not make this show. With Kev Nash. Oh, Hercules, Hercules. And DJ Killer Kev. Uh-oh. Let me tell you, boys, you can't make that shit up. The inside. Real deal. Straight up. Are you crazy? Hottest <laughs> stories from the world of hip-hop. This is ludicrous. It's the big boss, Rick Rose. What up? It's your boy, Young Jeezy. This is 50 Cent. Sports. Some of those dogs are the most incredible dogs I've ever seen. And what's popping in the DYT. I couldn't make this shit up. I couldn't make this shit up if I tried. I'm sad that I lack the talent to make this shit up. Here's Kev Nash and DJ Killer Kev. We here, we back at it. You can't make this up podcast. Kev Nash. DJ Killer Kev. What, 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 where are you, bro? I'm not looking at you right now. <laughs> Episode <laughs> whatever the hell it is. Or something, yeah. <laughs> What's up, man? Man, life kicked me in the butt last night. Do tell. We, uh, had a great day. We uh, started off the day about 7 in the morning with the good brother DJ LPZ. We had a golf outing out in Virginia. Had a great time. Um, actually, a funny story. Um, we had such a great time that I lost one of my clubs on the hole, on one of the holes. <laughs> Y'all super lit. It. I was lit, lit. So I go back to get it, can't find it, kind of bummed out, like the golf guys let me down, where's the honest men around, somebody jacked me, right, so I was kind of <laughs> pissed, uh, after the dinner and stuff, they had a raffle, your boy won like a $200 uh, golf range finder during the raffle, so kind of made up for it, right? Right. So had a decent day there, um, get back to the crib, quick shower, straight down to the natty. So we get down there for the Jazz Fest. Great time. Now, what time What time did y'all leave to head down to the natty? We probably left about 6, somewhere around close to 6. How much traffic did y'all hit? Um, it didn't get real bad until we got right down there to the natty. Um, but when we got down to the natty, it was like everybody was, um, you know, nigga time. So, right. <laughs> Parking was crazy. Ended up parking down by the Red Stadium. Kind of just walked through. Saw the, uh, the Ferris wheel we talked about last week. Yeah. Wife, wife was too scared to get on. <laughs> I and don't blame her. <laughs> but we got in the Jazz Fest. Um, had a great time in there. Party. Listened to all the, all the acts. Everything was cool. Yeah. So we get back to the car. I'm like, let me go ahead and throw on these flip flops before we make this drive back. I'm in the trunk. Get to the get to the seat. Get ready to roll. Nothing. Not even turning over. Just nothing. So, of course, when you at a festival like that and you try to call your roadside assistant, um, they tell you, yeah, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> well, that while turned into about three. Maybe two two thirty three o'clock they showed up. Ooh. So we sat in the parking lot literally three hours after the time we were planning on leaving before our roadside showed up. Got us started. We got rolling. So we get back to the crib probably four thirty ish maybe. And uh literally parked the car. And I'm like, let me just see the battery charge them when I ride back. Turn up, try to start it right back up. Nothing. So Ouch. Your boy had a night, had about a 22-hour day. He started, you know, with the golf, with the 
with the festival, with the car troubles, it's been one of those. Can't make this up weekends. Big facts, man. Well, you made it home safe. That's the most important part, man. That is true. We got home safe. We had a good time. No cops were involved. No tickets. That means you won, right? Big facts. <laughs> big facts, man. What you think of the show? I liked it. Um, I, I, I will say this. Frankie Beverly, man, he get old. Yeah, man. Yeah. Starting to like show his age a little bit on the stage. He kind of just posture looked a little different. Um, I think the last time I saw him, his voice probably left within 15, 20 minutes of the show. Like he was starting to lose his voice. But this go around was pretty good. Um, you know, I'd say he did pretty good. <laughs> so um, I, I like Frankie Beverly. We, um, we we were out getting food during major and Ohio players, so we heard him, but we were just kind of out on the street getting getting our food and stuff. So once we ate, got in, we saw, um, who, who did we see first? Uh, Black Street. Black Street, yeah. Yeah, Teddy Riley. And then, um. He was out there getting his uh, DJ Double R on, wasn't he? Oh, oh, he was he was out there. He had some stars. I didn't know, you know, of course we know Teddy Riley. It's Teddy Riley, but. Yeah, he had a couple songs, and I'm like, damn, I didn't know he just got paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like one of his first jumps. Yeah, he, so he ran through his Rolodex. He was out there dancing and two-stepping, and so he had a pretty good show. And then we saw uh, Mary, of course. Mary J came out and did her thing. Mary killed it, man. Mary oh, killed it. I will say this, did. man. It was like probably like, it wasn't last year. It was probably the year before that we saw her. And she was quote unquote mad Mary, so yeah. like the performance was I right. I wasn't impressed, but this time yeah. I was super impressed. She seemed like quote unquote happy Mary, so she she definitely killed it this time for sure. Yeah, she had a. Of course, everybody you know looks forward to the Mary two step and all the all the dancing, but she really you know put on the show. I mean, ran through all her hits. Yeah, I was I was impressed with Mary. She she put it she put it all. I mean, at one point she finished the song and lay on the floor like she was putting it all out there. So we had a good time. That's what's up, how, bro. How, how was your weekend? Man, my weekend was slick. Man, uh, lots of ripping and running around. Uh, back on my club ish. You know what I'm saying? Was out at Club <laughs> Aces again. Oh, welcome back. As yeah, Jeezy would say, first time in a long time. When I see those late texts or those late like likes on IG, it's like look at Kev winding down from the club. <laughs> double tap, Kev double back tap. In these streets. Back in these okay. streets, out and about doing that. Uh, Fred O'Bang was out there. Decent crowd. Um, this this upcoming Friday, the baby. I'm gonna be out there uh, broadcasting for that. That's gonna be oh, yeah. fucking insane. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna uh, be going to bed super early all week just to <laughs> <laughs> mentally prepare for that and then then on saturday it was a uh, it was basically known we were gonna go down there to see mary but it wasn't like super duper etched in stone it was kind of like right. yeah we going yeah we going and then like saturday comes and it's like all right what time are we going <laughs> so it's like uh i guess we probably need to take a shower <laughs> Jump in the yeah. car, drive down there. That kind of like, so we finally do that. And we got smacked in traffic, bro. We got super trafficked out, man. Like you know, to drive to the natty, normally like 
little over an hour it took us a full two and a half bro we was like literally in standstill traffic which freaking sucked it was horrible i had a, I had a point once you got down by the you know those familiar with cincinnati you got paul brown you got uh great american ballpark you got u.s bank arena kind of just lined up mm-hmm. but we was coming around trying to get around towards Paul Brown, but we were still over by kind of like U.S. Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the, like, the little side parking lots charging 20, it turned into like, oh, my goodness. It was like uh, bumper cars, like lanes cut a, cutting left across traffic trying to park. People that were on the right side trying to turn in right trying to park. And it was like five lines of cars trying to squeeze into, you know, one entrance. It was just turning into, like, traffic jam to the point where police showed up about 30 minutes into this, um, blowing whistles, making cars back up and go this way, turn, get out the way. Uh, it was just, it was it was bad. It be traffic like that, man. Bad. When when cats see $20 parking for Cincy Music Festival, that's a, that's a, oh, shit, we got to get there. Because, right, shit, parking be like, 30, 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah, easy. So, we, we, we got caught in that. And then we, uh, at the, you know, you're sitting close enough where you can hear the, the, the bass, you know, uh, coming through the speakers, and you can tell the show going on, and you just like, man, just park. Just go wherever. <laughs> you know, it, it, gets, it gets crazy. So we, we found a parking spot thinking, nah, we only here by the uh, uh, Great American Ballpark. We should be cool. This is the funny part of the night, too, I left out. As we're walking, we're, uh, I, I see a police officer in one of those golf carts. And I just was joking. I was like, excuse me, can you tell me the fastest walking route to Paul Brown? Uh-huh. Kind of whistled like, hmm, you know what? Hop in. What? Word? Me and the wife on the back of the golf cart. <laughs> he literally drives us, bro, like four blocks. I mean, he cutting through traffic. He on the street. <laughs> I mean, it was like people looking at us like, who are these, who are these VIPs making their way to the Backup singers. Test? Yeah, so we had a good time with that. We we talked with him, but uh, you know, real nice dude. I was literally asking him to make sure I was going the right way, and he looked out and gave us a ride. So. That's love, man. That's love. Yeah, yeah. Well, bro, I know you got a hectic day ahead of you. You got some man. some things to handle. I'm gonna let yes, you handle man. it. Uh, just a heads up, sure. we have my brother uh Brian Lowry, aka Killer B. So we got two killers on the podcast today. Hey. Killer A, Killer B. There it is, man. <laughs> hey, man, handle your business, bro. <laughs> yes, sir. We appreciate you, brother. Peace. Peace. And I got my brother from another mother on the podcast right now. I'm going to call you by your government for a quick second just to let everybody know who I'm talking to. Brian Lowry, a.k.a. Killer B. What's good, bro? What's up, man? Chilling, man. So you are officially an athletic director. Now, I know kind of the backstory, man, but you are the athletic director for high schools in Columbus, man. Tell everybody, like, how you got into that and, like, why you did it. Well, I was a guidance counselor about 10 years. Halfway through that, I figured, you know, I've always, I guess, coached little kids and stuff and everything. But, um decided while getting my master's for sports management that this was something I wanted to do and I wanted to invest my time in it and let it be my career. So I started coaching high school basketball, football, 
then I got hooked up with an athletic director in Columbus, Columbus City Schools who kind of mentored me for about three years. And then um, I got hired. And I've been doing it going into my eighth year now. Now, I know you from our days at Wright State, working at the radio station. So how does one go from, you know, wanting to be in the entertainment field to working with the youth to being an athletic director? Okay, so you may not actually know this, but before I got hired to be program director at um, WWSU 106.9. The right choice. Radio station, the right choice. I actually got hired to be a student manager for Campus Rec. Okay. We had went on a canoeing trip. It was like three of us. And then I went to them after I got hired by the radio station and basically told them that I'd like to resign from my position because of the radio station. In hindsight. <laughs> Don't say it. I probably should have with them instead of going to the radio station but then my life wouldn't have been as epic big facts man and my life wouldn't have been the same either man but it was because of you and Mark Mark Nice why I got into radio you know what I'm saying I don't even know if you remember that um, I remember when you were working at the ham and it was, uh, me and Nate used to go up to the ham because like the only people we knew at Wright State at the time was people that lived in the ham so we would go up there watch the big screen TV up there or whatever, and I would see you up there from time to time, but I didn't know who you were. And it was uh, Mark who worked at the radio station as well, and one day I went up there to see him. Then I met you, and then like, yeah, man, it's easy. All you got to do is come in and apply, and you basically get a show. Yeah, Mark did that to me the year before you got there. <laughs> Mark was must looking for friends or something. <laughs> so you the AD yeah. you at where at now? Um, well... My last day at Beechcroft was Friday. First day at Westland is Tuesday. Okay, so I'm sure you built a strong relationship with not only the staff at the other high school, but a lot of the kids. Yeah, currently I'm on my way to going to see my drill team from Beechcroft because they went to camp this weekend and they have their final performance at 10. So I'm waiting on my wife to get out here and get in the car. Okay. Now, give me the day in the life of an AD. Because I'm sure from the outside looking in, like everybody like, oh, man, you get to go to a sporting event, you get to hang out, watch the kids play, and boom, that's it. Well, it, I guess it really depends on what I have that day. So on the average football night, um, I might get to work at about 9 o'clock, get my money together to sell student tickets at lunch, of uh, which – there's, depending on the school, I was at South High School in Columbus first, and uh, they had three lunch periods because they had middle school sell tickets, and then really as soon as lunch is over, you get your money together so you can have your gate together for the night game, and then you basically get start to get everything set up for a football game that night, set up the field. Um, open up bathrooms, concession stands, make sure, depending on what you do, where you are, make sure the grass is mowed and everything and the lines are painted and, you know, teams have information as to where they park and officials.
officials have everything set up, water set up, um, just everything set up for a football game, which sounds real easy Mm -hmm. while I'm describing it, but it's a strenuous day because I wouldn't usually get home till 1 or 2 in the morning. Yikes. So when I'm sure that you guys are responsible for, like, all the fundraising activities and stuff like that. So, like, when we see, like, the local team. Oh, you're not? No. Fundraising is done by um, coaches and teams. Okay. So, like, okay, so in the fall time, obviously, that's football season. Like, that's cross country. That's, like, lacrosse. Soccer. So you you have to be at all these events. It's not like you get to pick and choose. Like, yeah, I'm going to just go to the fun stuff, the stuff, the sports that, quote, unquote, I grew up playing. You have to be involved in all those, right? Yes. I have to, um, well, I have to do eligibility for every single student who participates, too. Like, you know, you got to make sure all your paperwork is handled. If you were a transfer, kids got to turn in code of conduct, um, insurance papers, emergency medical cards. Physicals, everything, grades have to be up to par. So. You involved with it all, bro. Sound like you back working at uh, Wright State because that's some stuff that you had to take care of for all the uh, students that had radio shows. Yeah, it's much easier, though. (laughs) (laughs) What you trying to say, bro? (laughs) We ain't give you that that much hard times. No, I'm saying that that was much easier. Oh, man. So, bro, like, what is your first memory of me at Wright State? I always like to ask people that, man, because I, I I, think something in my mind, like how people met and their impression of me, but they always have, like, a totally different impression of me, like, when we first my, met. My my first impression of you was your freshman year, and, and it was just you and so, So I don't know if people listen to know that how you like, like we got people and I'm just figuring out how to describe it. Like Batman and Robin or who, you know, Mike and Scotty, Kobe and Shaq. Yeah. It was always Lil Kev and Nate. Facts. And y'all used to just walk together and I thought y'all was either cousins or brothers when I first met y'all. Then I realized one of y'all was from one side of the state and one was from the other. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy how things go, man. You know, you meet someone from, uh, you know, I'm from Cleveland. Nate is from Cincinnati, and you know, you just have a bond and you create something like, like a radio show. And you know, when I got to Wright State, the thought of me working at a radio station on campus was like one of the farthest things from my mind. Uh, how did, how did that evolve for you? Like, was that something that you obviously you said you worked campus rec and like that was like the path you were on so how did you get involved with the radio station and i actually was in uh radio tv and career center in high school mm-hmm. so the truth was and you may actually let me let me rewind a little bit so when i was in high school and when i was in middle school i always wanted to be a sportscaster okay i wanted to be Stuart scott of course but there was a Another guy I wanted to be that maybe you know who he is. He worked at Channel 6 in Columbus. And his name was Ronnie Duncan. He I was a think so. Pastor. I think so. I think I'm familiar with the name. 
the the reason why you may be familiar with the name is because he actually ended up moving to Cleveland and working sports uh, TV for them for years and ended up being the announcer at the Cleveland Cavs games for years, too. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, I always wanted to do that and, uh, you know, be um, him and Stuart Scott. So I just ended up working in radio, TV, and career center while I was in high school. And then, uh, you know, when I got to college, I, I'll be honest, I didn't think anything about it. And um, I met Mark because I saw the radio station. I was like, I want to do this. <laughs> you know, I did, I did a little mini radio show all the time when I was in uh, high school. And it just evolved in that. And that stipend ain't bad neither. It wasn't for for a college kid, <laughs> like two hundred and fifty dollars every two weeks. <laughs> Where we going with it? Where we going? Right, we rich. I was rich, <laughs> bro. I wanted to ask you, man, like how high school is nowadays. Obviously, isn't how it was when we were in school. Like a lot of charter schools are around now. So, how does that affect your job? Where you know, kids have their quote-unquote home school that they play sports for, but they go to a totally different school. How does that affect your day-to-day? Um, it doesn't really. Um, truth is, in Ohio, if you're a charter school kid, uh, homeschool kid, you get to participate in the athletics of the school you would be going to mm-hmm. if you... Um, weren't uh, attending that school because the goal is to let them participate just as the other kids would because they don't have the opportunity to the school. So we, in Columbus City Schools, we have a whole packet that they have to fill out that basically is kind of like a mini-enrollment packet that says you live in the attendance area of um, the school and, you know, once you fill all of that out, you know, you get all the information and everything, you basically can, you know, and once you fill all that out and you give all the rest of the stuff that a normal kid in the building has to do, mm-hmm. then you you can participate. Okay. And every year, every subsequent year, I have to get a report card for the quarter before for each sport you plan to participate in. And then I just remake you give me a utility bill and a um, lease agreement that says you still live where you're at and, you know, a copy of your parents' ID. Okay. So I'm sure you're involved with the process of helping these kids, you know, go get their higher education to colleges and stuff like that. What is that process like for you? Well, I guess it's kind of weird because I'm a boots-to-the-ground type of person. And I can probably say that, and I'm not toot my own horn when I say this, because to each his own, man, and I do it because of the love for these kids and not because of the job, really. But, like, me, especially in the summers, I mean, I take kids, especially when you're working with inner-city kids, I take them on football camps, college tours, 
um, case in point, this summer I've had about four separate times where I've put kids in the car and football players, basketball players, take them to basketball, football camps, Heidelberg, um, Finley, Denison, Marietta, um, Kent State. Uh, we would, you know, we drive all over Ohio mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of times parents can't do it. Right. I call, get a group rate that'll make it cheaper. Parents can't do it. Kid will never get to see the school. So me, I just do it because I was raised by, I, I, I didn't really know my dad growing up. Um, my mom kind of left when I was in ninth grade. I was by myself and, you know, there was a guy, Mr. Garris, who out of the kindness of his heart, used to take me on college tours, you know, show me all kinds of things in this world I'd have never seen. So I kind of take a hold of that as an adult and then I, um, you know, pay back the people who did it for me by giving it to the kids who were like me growing up. That's dope, bro. My question for you, bro, is how do you have the time to do all that because you have a family, you got four boys, a wife, and, you know, basically you have a whole bunch of other kids when you're at school. How do you find the time to do all this? Because I see your IG, man, flooded. You here, you're there. Then you with your kids and the wife. Then you taking trips out to San Diego. We definitely going to talk about the Comic-Con trip. I don't know how I find time to do other stuff, but I do. Um, it's just all part of life. Um, usually, so for as long as I've been trying to, you know, I wanted to be an AD, this, that, and the other. Um, I guess, you know, it's just part of life. It's within the flow of life, man. I mean, my son, my youngest son is always, like my oldest three are my stepsons, but they are my sons. Mm-hmm. My youngest son has always gone with me. When I when I worked in the athletic department in Central State, and I would go right after work here as a guidance counselor, and I'd drive there, pick him up from the babysitter, and he'd do that with me every night. I mean, so... Everybody has pretty much had a part in participating what I do in my life. My wife worked concessions at football games, you know, and the weird part is my oldest son played football in high school and plays in college. Uh, The second oldest doesn't anymore. Um, Well, he doesn't participate in sports, but he's going to college in August. Mm -hmm. You know, the one after him plays football in high school and then, the youngest one, he plays high school basketball. So even then, it's still ways to find time. But me being an athletic director, they understand that my time ends up being split by whatever school I'm at in their school and them and what they do. And you just find things to do in between, which is why I take my wife on dates. Yeah. Big facts, man. So San Diego Comic-Con, bro. I'm going out there next year. Me and my brother, I seen your pictures. I told my brother, I was like, look, man, we going, period. He was like, all right, we with it. So this is their second year going? Yes. How was it, man? How was it? Um, You have to go, man. Like, I don't know if people (laughs) understand. You got to, like, 
participate. You got to go. It's just something you have to do because it's so strange. There's so many people and so many things. And if you're a comic book nerd like me, which you, you are, yeah, you uh, it, it's just an experience. It, it really is. You just hard to describe. It. It's a whole lot of people. There's a whole lot of um, like little things. Like not little. These are big things. Yeah. That go on. Famous people to meet, man. I, I actually got to sit at a booth and have a conversation with DMC, who run DMC. Okay. About his comic book. And he basically will talk to you about anything. Um, Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people out there who like wrestling, you know, and as you go in and you walking around and you moving these things. Last year, I got to see Wesley Snipes. The original um, Blade. The original Blade. Ryan Reynolds. The RZA. Um, people like that, man. It's crazy because all kind of famous people come out. You know, you know who the comedian Orlando Jones is. Yeah. He got off the plane right after me and was standing in the airport waiting on his bag, just talking to me. Dope. Um, and then you get to meet people that. If you're a comic book nerd, you may know, like Rob Liefeld, who is the creator of Deadpool, okay. Cable, and, um, you know, you get to meet them and talk to them. Arvell Jones, who I met, who was on the plane with me, uh, going to San Diego Comic-Con, um, he is the creator of Misty Knight. Okay. Marvel. Marvel Comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Cage and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel premiere number twenty-one, featuring Iron Fist, the first appearance of Misty Knight. Um, and I got to have a conversation with him about her, his new book, and he autographed my Marvel premiere number twenty-one while I was there. That is dope, man. So, like, when they do, like, those big announcements, like, they had the huge announcements about Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They announced that Marsha Ali is going to be portraying new uh, Blade. Uh, Natalia Portman's coming back. She's going to play uh, uh, her uh, female character, Thor. Like, so she's back on board. Like, so, like, this thing you always hear about from the outside looking in is, like, Hall H. Like, how does that work? How do people actually get into Hall H.? Or you get in the damn line. <laughs> and, and on, listen, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even go to that panel, and I'm going to tell you why. I was sitting in a Rob Leefield, Scotty Young, Marvel Comics panel. Okay. Now, that was an MCU panel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you why I didn't waste my time. One, the comic panel was given out this free book that's basically limited to everyone or whoever was in the um, thing, and I really wanted the book. And we love free. Yeah, but two, that line for Hall H is probably ridiculous. So <laughs> That's what I've always tried to, like, do research on. Like, how do you, like, you just, you pay your ticket to be in the convention or whatever, and then you just line up and then, like, say the hall holds yeah. 300 people. So once 300 people are in, sorry, hey, 301, you can't get in. Well, no, no, it's it's way more than 300. Uh, I'm just, I'm just taking a number. Oh, no, but you're right, though. Oh, so, for some things, you got to stand in line. So, like, to get exclusives, man, they do exclusives every year. Stuff that are only 
set up for San Diego Comic-Con. So you go, <laughs> you go and you can get in the line, but what they do is they do a lottery beforehand, like before you even get to Comic-Con. Okay. You just sign up for all of them and you might get some. Like my homie got like four last year and got none this year. Um, you know, so those are like that. So Hall H, like last year, I never had to really sit in a line for Hall H. <laughs> and it would still be filled because what happens is, is people are in Hall H watching stuff and they don't have to leave. Mm-hmm. Meaning whatever panel was before the Marvel Comics panel or the Marvel Cinematic Universe panel, it, the place could have been filled with people who went to the one before just so they can have a good seat for the one after. Nice. So and that's what I that's do at work. I when they're like, when they drop all the trailers, I have my Twitter open on my desktop, and whenever the alert go off, as soon as they drop the twit, uh, the trailer for like what the Top Gun uh two or any other trailers that drop, like they drop instantaneously. So it's not like, are right, you really missing out on something? You just missing out on the excitement of it, because like that's what I want to be there for. I want to see all the new trailers. Uh, I oh, remember. It's, it's, listen. Go ahead. It's excitement. Yeah. Because you know when he I, when he did the old Blade thing, he. They they make it a a show and then he announces Marshall Ali and everybody basically stands up starts cheering but but the the Thor one actually kind of bigger than the Marshall Ali one because at least you knew it was gonna be a famous black actor right nobody um my man um I forgot to say his last name Sage Sage Sage. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, I can't say it either. He, he comes out and he talks about Thor four, mm-hmm. and literally has a, a, a Mjolnir in his hand, that Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and introducing Star of Thor four, and you know everybody's thinking Chris Hemsworth is going to pop out, and Natalie Portman pops out. He hands her the the hammer, and it's like oh. And see that that's huge. That's huge because you know how before it was like so much talk of her, like, all right, I'm done with this. Like, I'm you know, she's like a actress, actress, kinda like, you know, I wanna do like movies like Black Swan and type stuff like that. So it's huge to get an actress of her caliber to sign on board again. And you know when you got when they sign on for one movie, it's not just one movie. That means they signing on for at least three movies after that as well. So that's dope. Yeah, man, I got to get out there, man. Yeah, you know, people have an issue with it. Really? For what? Well, because what Thor got to be a woman? You read the comic book, Well, she is a a female version in the comic. Yeah, exactly. Jane Foster. Yeah. It's just so, you know, people get over it. We we who love the movies and the comics, we love to be surprised by things. Yeah. I mean, we... I'm pretty sure you like me, and we all wanted to, um, you know, you know Wesley Snipes to still be Blade, but you know things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You would love for him to have be Blade with this this backing that that comic books movies have now. Like he came up when comic book movies were just like really just dead and really weren't really going anywhere. So you would love that, but you know. You get an actor like Mahershala Ali. I mean, come on, dude. Like, you got to. And I would right. love, to, I would love to have, you know, Wesley have a cameo or something just to 
hey, we respect you. We respect everything you did in the past. I'm sure Marvel's good for that. You know what I'm saying? Marvel Studios is good for that, doing stuff like that, man. So I'm definitely trying to get out there next year, man. What was the weather like? It, okay, so San Diego weather is 72 degrees every day with no clouds, <laughs> period. And it's and listen, in, in July, so it's usually like third week of July, the temperature at night always hits about 66, 68, and during the day it's always about 72 to 74. Perfect. No more, no less, no clouds. The weather feels like nothing. You can wear a sweatshirt. You can wear a short sleeve shirt. You can wear a tank top. You can wear pants. You can wear shorts. It, it's so strange. Man, it's that the is most crazy. Beautiful place on earth, though. I gotta get out there, man. I definitely gotta get out there, bro. You are a huge college football fan, just like myself. Can you possibly replace uh, a certain athletic director at the Ohio State University one day? So before I became an athletic director, I called and tried to cold call because I just wanted to meet him and talk to him. Mm -hmm. It's a long shot. And I called him about March. And at the time, he was the, I think, the one of the presidents or something on the panel of the committee that selects for the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So I guess March was a bad time to call. I forgot about it, though. Two months later, I get a call from his secretary saying he'll meet me. Wow. Man had me in his office for almost three hours. He gave me a list of 20 names of people who he wanted me to tell that he personally gave me the names to and they needed to talk to me. Um, and these was a lot of big-name people for me to just talk to. And I called them all because he said it. Yeah. But while sitting in uh, Gene Smith's office, I told him, he was like, well, what do you want to do in life? I said, I want to be an athletic director and eventually be an athletic director in college. And his comment to me was, why would you want to be an athletic director in a college when you could be the president of the college? The, you could be the person in charge of everything. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to have his job one day. I would love to have the scrutiny, but it <laughs> I was just about to say that. You know, Gene Smith takes a lot of flack, especially from Ohio State fans for whatever reasons. And I think he's done a hell of a job. I mean, for goodness sakes, he brought in Urban Meyer. No matter how I personally feel about Urban Meyer, from my personal vendettas against Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer was is a great coach and brought the school another national championship as a great coach. And with the basketball team, like, during his tenure, man, like, the athletic program at Ohio State is unmatched. I mean, like, he's done an excellent job. Like, any school that doesn't have, like, small sanctions or just, like, small hiccups, you're not winning anything. Like, the stuff that Ohio State gets hammered for all the time, like, these are minor things, man, like, in the grand scope of things. This ain't SMU. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Yeah, man. So I, I wish it's you nothing not, but luck with that, bro. I would love, dude. Like it would be nothing more than I would love to be like, yo, my brother is the AD at the Ohio State University. What's up with them fifty yard line seats? <laughs> man, if I become AD at Ohio State, bro, forget fifty yard line seats. You on the sideline every game. 
Big facts, big facts. Bro, I appreciate you stopping on the pod, man. Oh, yeah, one more thing before we get up out of here, man. You are super blessed to still be here, man. You had a health scare a couple years ago, man. And you had a write-up in the uh, Columbus Dispatch, man. Talk about that real quick. had a brain aneurysm while I was at work. I felt my vein pop in my brain. Um, and it was rough. It was rough coming back from it, man. But you know, I'm blessed. And I'm still here. And, you know, but every day of my life, I realize how blessed I am to have made something like that. You know, but again, man, um, I am the lucky survivor of two traumatic brain injuries. I got hit by a car when I was five. and had to have surgery then. And the weird part is I'm here. I'm intact. I'm still living. Um, got a little Frankenstein going on sometimes, <laughs> but other than that, you know, being here is a blessing and, you know, living is a blessing and you appreciate every day. Big facts. Killer B, Brian Lowry, AD, what high school again? I'm sorry. Um, formerly a Beechcroft High School, soon, as a matter of fact, as soon as Tuesday, Westland High School. Hey, bro, congratulations, man. Much Blessings, thank much you, success sir. to you, man. Keep striving for the best, man. All right, man. Thank you and love you, brother. Love you back, bro. I'll see you in San Diego. <laughs> All right. See you.